Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Father, we are so grateful for your presence, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love this morning. God, we are running to your arms right now. God, as we run there in your word, God, give us sight to see, give us a, a mind to understand and comprehend, give us a heart to receive, a heart that is transformed and changed by your word today, that our affections would grow stronger, that our faith would expand, and that, that Jesus would be bigger in our lives today than, than he was yesterday. And God, that you would work that through our lives into the lives that we engage with throughout today the days to come until you call us home. God, we love you because you first loved us. We praise you for you're, you're the only one worthy of our praise. So God, make your presence known right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys. Let me say welcome to all of you guys. Join us online as we are continuing in our series in 1 Peter called Stand Firm. We are in week seven of this series. And uh, before we get into our text today, I just want to remind you of a very special announcement. Today is Baptism Day. Amen? Amen? We're celebrating. We have baptisms after second service, and so we would love to have you come back and join us and celebrate with us. They will be right out front in front of the cross. If you didn't notice when you walked in, the baptismal is set up out there. So uh, come back, join us, celebrate with us. If you are interested in being baptized, uh, we've been you know, announcing this for a little while, but if today is the day that spirit moves and you're like, today is the day I need to do this, uh, we're ready, all right? We're ready. Just find Pastor Tyler in the Connection Center after service today. You can talk with him a little bit, and we would love to celebrate. Celebrate that moment in your life, that defining moment. So baptisms today, excited about this. One verse today, verse 7. Now, I know last week Pastor Mark touched on and taught on verse 7, but verse 7 is about men and it's about husbands, and we are hard uh, to listen to. We are hard of hearing. We, we don't listen very well, and so we've got to look at this verse again. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> so if you have a Bible and you want to join me in, 1 Peter chapter 3, just one verse today. It's a powerful verse. It is a weighty verse. It's a verse that we need to go through again. As I was studying this text, I found it really intriguing that in the ancient world, there were a number of ethical codes of conduct, all right? There are a number of ways that, that people should conduct themselves that would speak to husbands and wives and, and servants and citizens throughout the ancient world and how they should relate within the, the relationships that they had, the web of relationships, if you will. And those, those codes of conduct were written by philosophers and ethicists. But what's unique about the New Testament, the New Testament codes of conduct, like we see here in 1 Peter that we've been looking at over the last several weeks, is that the New Testament not just speaks about servants and wives and children. You see, in, in, the, in, the, in the ancient world, the ethicists and the, and the philosophers, the, the codes that the 
they, they would write the codes of conduct, they were addressed typically to the head of the household. Like they spoke to the head of the household, and they did this because they believed that wives and servants and children were not really considered human beings with a moral authority or moral agency and the ability to weigh matters of importance. And so therefore, they only addressed the man or the head of the household. And so the man would be addressed about these others that were in the house, but the others that were in the house themselves would never be addressed. You understand what I'm saying? And that's not at all Peter's perspective. In fact, it's not at all the perspective of the New Testament scriptures. The New Testament addresses men and women and wives and husbands and children and servants as fully human, fully responsible, individual, moral actors in their own right, which to us seems self-evident, doesn't it? It seems obvious. Of course, you uphold all people created in the image of God you, you raise up all people. It seems obvious, but at the time, this would have been an incredibly shocking and startling approach to, to teaching how we are to interact with those in our house, to teaching to those in the house, not just the men. So you can imagine Peter's audience when they read his letter. It, it would have sent shockwaves through the community, a ripple through the community. But listen, that's how the gospel works that's how the gospel works. It breaks down the societal walls that, that the society tries to, that the world tries to create. It breaks all those wrongs down and it shows us a right way of knowing one another and caring for one another as we lift one another up. So, so when we get into this text, I want you just to re, be, remi- be mindful of how this text really is speaking in a way of raising everybody up and not trying to, to suppress a, a group of people, all right? So here's our verse, verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. What I want to do is just kind of break this verse down. Single verse, we're just going to break it down. feels like we should be out pretty quick, right? Well, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> and if you're a, a single person, either watching online or with us this morning, if you're a widow or if you are a divorcee, I don't, it might, you might have a, uh, an inclination maybe to tune out or to, to lean back because this is addressed to a, speci- a speci- specific person or a group of people. Don't do that. There's a lot for us all to learn here. And, and be mindful that God may use this equipping in your life to minister to someone who's in this position. He might weave someone into your life that this text and this truth and these principles can, can help in ministering to others. So, so let's all just lean into this and not find ourselves tuning out if, it, if we're not a husband, all right? So let's start with likewise husbands. Likewise, like Mark said last week, right? (laughs) As he taught on verse 7 a little bit. Notice what Peter does here as he addresses husbands. He says likewise, which means in the same way, is what he started with addressing to the wives in verse 1 from last week. If you looked at verse 1, he says likewise wives. Now, what does that reflect? Anytime you see likewise or in the same way, you have to go back to the text before that to understand what he's saying which reflects back then to the text of the last part of chapter 2, which we did a couple weeks ago. 
And that was about the submission to authority, uh, employer, if you will, those in the household. And I mentioned this, that Peter at that moment was moving to, as he was talking about submission and suffering in that submission for the sake of Christ, for the glory of Christ, he was moving into the relationships that are found within the households, right? Which is what's happening here. And always remember this. Anytime that you're reading through the book of 1 Peter, we have a hope in Christ. And because we have a hope in Christ, we can have security in him to submit ourselves for his sake to other people in every context of life, whether it be governing authorities, whether it be employment or marriage, which is those three things that he's talking about here from chapter 2 into chapter 3. So wives and husbands have equally important roles to play. And and Peter is addressing that through verses 1 through 7, and he gets to the husbands here in verse 7. So the husband is the head of the household as Peter addresses it. And the word likewise is very important. It calls him, the head of the household, the husband, to read everything that Peter has already said, not just to the wives, but to the servants in chapter 2, the last part, and apply it as it is appropriate to himself, as to his life, which is probably why he says the least of all to the husbands, because he's already said all of this to the others, which also apply to the husbands. So it felt like, guys, we got off pretty easy, right? And look at all these verses he says to the wives, and then he gets to the husbands, and he's only got one for us. But that's not true, right? It's not because there aren't many lessons that husbands we need to urgently learn, right? But because he's already taught so much to those others, now he's saying, here's how he's saying it. So likewise, I hope you've been paying attention because all that I have said, all of this that I've already said is brought to bear upon you as well, along with verse 7. And if you want to summarize that part up, you could say he is to live a husband, men, you're to live a humble, costly, sacrificial, obedient life, just like Jesus just like Jesus. So let's keep going. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Now this means more than just putting up with. This means more than just surviving. It means dwelling together in close relationship, physically, emotionally, mentally, intimately, spiritually, in every aspect, dwelling close together Live with your wives in an understanding way. The manner of our lives, husbands, should reflect a commitment to knowing our brides well. It is a commitment that that at the beginning seems pretty easy, but as time goes on and life comes at, all, all aspects of life comes at all of us, seems to get harder. He's saying this is not just a moment in time, but this is in the entire length of the marriage. That we don't live with our wives in an understanding way, a commitment to knowing our brides well, responding to her with sensitivity, never simply imposing our expectations, but making allowances, sacrificing our preferences, changing our priorities. Why? Because we want to show them honor. Again, it's the way of Jesus. There's no room here. There's not even a, 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 a moment of debate for abusive words or deeds, for for a controlling attitude, a manipulative attitude, a domineering behavior. There's not even, there's no room here. Our whole lives, men, should be shaped by commitment to understanding and honoring our brides. Our whole life. 
It doesn't stop. It doesn't turn off. The, you don't turn the faucet off. It's ongoing forever until Jesus calls us home. So he's saying, study your wife. Study your wife. Know her well. Be a good student of your wife's heart. Which to me, I, I hear, be diligent in listening. This is going to carry into the next part of the verse, so let's keep going. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. So he says, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. And ah, here comes that phrase, right? As you looked at this verse, this phrase causes hesitation, maybe for some a little anger or an eye roll, right? But let's lean into it, though, and, and really hear what Peter's saying to us. I understand it's a difficult phrase. In our culture and in our time, it's a difficult phrase. But this is, this is not weaker in terms of intelligence. Uh, it's not weaker in terms of capacity for leadership or wisdom. It's not weaker in terms of status. It doesn't mean inferior overall. Commentators kind of says it means about three different things. It can look at it from three different places. The first one, they, liter- they are literally physically weaker. Because the word vessel is used throughout, all throughout the Bible to refer to, human, to, to the human body. Generally speaking, most husbands can overpower their wives. Generally speaking. Now, I've seen some of you wives out there and you give your husbands a run for their money. I get it. <laughs> Generally speaking, men are physically more powerful than wives. That's how God made us. So, physically weaker. They're weaker in their position of authority. Remember, he, Peter just spent six verses explaining that wives should be subject, subject to their husbands. So positionally, in that play and in that way, women are in a weaker position. Now, also, without endorsing the view, Peter may have been referring to the idea of women in his day who were viewed by much of society as weaker in dignity than men. Now, he doesn't endorse that view, but he could, and I mentioned that earlier as we opened, right, in the way that that the ancient world understood women and children and servants. And in a third way, commentators say it could mean weaker in terms of their emotional sensitivity. I don't think there's much disagreement about this. Girls are wired differently than guys. There are many, many examples to explain and show how we're wired differently emotionally. But my, my fear, though, is that when you read that part of this text, you get stuck on the phrase weaker vessel instead of what he says at the beginning, showing honor. That we get distracted, which is exactly what the devil would want to do, because that's all he can do to Christians is to distract us from what the actual implica- the, the imperative is and the command is to show honor. Not to so much focus on the weaker vessel, but to show honor. Don't get distracted from the command. And so Peter says, as the weaker vessel, honor her. And honor means prefer her. You prefer her. Put her needs first. Guys, in your position of strength then, in your position of authority then, any position of authority you may have is to be used to serve her, not yourself. Which again is the way of Jesus. It's the way of Jesus. Mutual submission is the most powerful relational dynamic we've ever experienced or we could ever witness or have. You try to outserve one another. Let me try to put this together with some understanding. Husbands, men, 
We should never lead independent of our wives. We should never lead independent of our wives. We were given this role because we weren't, I mean, we weren't given this role because we make better decisions. I mean, have you thought about this? Some of us don't make better decisions. And our wife was given to us, was given to us as a gift by God to help keep us from making the bad decisions. And at times, maybe keep us from our own stupidity. Guilty. (laughs) Guilty of that. So husbands who decide to go rogue and to do it all on their own without consulting their wives, it's foolish. It's extremely foolish. And by the way, by the way, the husband is never told to demand submission from his wife. The wife may be told to submit, but the husband is never to demand it. That is hers to give, not ours to demand. That is incredibly important. And how do, how do we live in such a way that, that she freely gives that so that we might follow in the way God designed it, in the way we live? It's what Peter's talking about. In the way you live, in the way you honor, in the way you understand, in the way you constantly try to lift up, raise up, and, and learn, and grow, and be sensitive, and, and know by the way we live. That's the whole text. We're to use our position of authority to serve. To serve her, not us. To not ourselves. So when we disagree, for example, when we disagree, when we, when we try to talk things out and we pray and we still can't come to a consensus, I have to decide, is this a place where I feel like I have to think of the best interest for the family? And wives, if you're feeling uneasy about this leadership position, remember this. Remember that the husband answers to God. If that doesn't put a holy, reverent fear in men and husbands, there is nothing that I could show you or say to you that will. You will give an account to God how you loved and cared for and provided and protected your spouse. Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans, said this about spiritual leadership. <laughs> I love this. He says, spiritual leadership is God telling the woman to duck so he can punch the man. <laughs> spiritual leadership is not a license to do what we want to do, men, but it's empowerment to do what we should do. A husband leadership of his wife have meant to be a picture of Christ's sacrificial lordship over us. You get that? You see how important this is? Driven by selfless love, full of grace, and aimed squarely at another's benefit and joy. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. How he loved us is how we are to love our spouses. I mean, Jesus says he was gentle and lonely in heart, Matthew eleven nine. 9. And Christian husbands are called to this same heart, to show honor to cherish, to respect, to serve, to adore, to protect, to provide just like Jesus. John Calvin notes, he says, For nothing destroys the friendship of life more than contempt. Nor can we really love any but those whom we esteem. For love must be connected with respect. And that is, that is a principle within our marriages, but that's a principle within our lives to all people. Let's keep going. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. How important 
is that Peter should remind us, husbands, of this truth. Our wives are equal in salvation and inheritance. They're co-heirs with us in grace in heaven. God's eyes will be standing side by side. You get that, right? Side by side in eternity with him. And the, and the truth should be a guiding truth in how we honor and how we cherish our wives. Let me let this sink in. Man, if you have a Christian wife, a believing wife, and women, if you, wives, if you have a Christian husband, a believing husband, you're going to spend eternity together. You're joint heirs of the grace of life. Your bonds are deeper and stronger than mere romance or anything that is signaled by the ring on the finger. Our bonds last forever. In some ways, it's sad. It's a little sad that Peter had to take this moment to remind us, to remind us that our wives are to be treated with honor and respect because they are also the bride of Christ, having been bought with the same blood that we were bought with. So we should take care to know of their eternal value and the priceless gift that God gave for them that he gave for us in his son Jesus. And then lastly, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Kind of, kind of hits you right in the face, doesn't it? All of this, we are to follow through. We are to live like this. We are to to function within these imperatives and in these principles in the way that Peter has spoken to us and then he hits us with this last part. By the way, so that your prayers may not be hindered. It's a pretty drastic statement, right? It's a really drastic. Your prayers to God are hindered because you are out of fellowship with your wife. Let that sink in. That when you are out of fellowship with your wife, God doesn't hear your prayer. God, God doesn't respond. The idea is this. When you approach God in prayer, and presumably it is because you need something, right? Prayer is, a position, is from a position of powerlessness, right? Well, he's saying, husbands, men, if you use your position of power and authority in your marriage to serve yourself and not your spouse, why would you think God would use his position of power to serve you? Let that sink in. Told you it's one verse, but it's packed. The gospel is about God, who is strong, using his position to serve the weak. Those who believe the gospel are called to become like the gospel, which means we show the change in our own lives by using the power or the authority to serve the weak, others. So if you're using your position of power to serve yourself in your marriage, how can you claim to know Christ? If you're using your position of head of the household, of authority, of power, to serve you and only you, your agenda, and everybody's just got to get on board with it, it's your way or the highway, how can you claim to know Christ who used the ultimate position of power to serve you? Jesus used his position to serve us. How dare us think that we are to use our position to serve ourselves? Let me finish with this. 
One commentator said it like this, and I love what he said. So concerned is God that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives that he interrupts his relationship with them when they are not doing so. No Christian husband should presume to think that any spiritual good will be accomplished by his life without an effective ministry of prayer. And no husband may expect an effective prayer life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way, bestowing honor on her. To take the time to develop and maintain a good marriage is God's will. It is serving God. It is a spiritual activity pleasing in his sight. And listen, we men, husbands, we can't do this without Jesus. We cannot do this without Jesus. Jesus is the one who empowers us through his Holy Spirit and only Jesus to do this. So may we take heed to Peter's word to us. May it rest upon us. May we repent of the places that we have found ourselves not following what Peter's instruction is to us. And may we learn and grow to love, cherish, honor, provide, protect the spouse that God's given us for the glory of God and the advancement of his gospel. Let's pray. Father, we know that we cannot do the word that you've instructed us to do without Jesus, Jesus alone. It's by his strength, by his continual work and sanctification and transformation in our heart and our mind that leads our actions. God, we need more Jesus, less of ourselves. And God, for the areas that we men, husbands, have, that you've shown us maybe over the last couple weeks that we've fallen short. God, draw us back in a posture of humility and surrender to you, knowing that we, we can't love outward and horizontally unless we are loved and know that love vertically. So God, draw us back and then that place of surrender to Jesus so that he does lead with strength and with power but with a meekness of heart, with a, with a gentleness and a kindness that our wives, that our spouses would be, would know that they are cherished, that we're grateful, that we're thankful, and that you have brought us together for the glory of you, not so much for ourselves, but for you. It's a picture of the gospel. And God, I do pray those who are here that are single or divorced or widowed, God, that you would especially speak just grace and comfort and just a presence into their lives where maybe they feel this doesn't connect or they feel left out or they feel like maybe they're just, just not there in this text. God, may they understand that this same text can apply into their future, even into their lives now as you you use them to minister to others 
that all of us can learn and grow through this. Because as we grow and as we see that work you're doing in our lives, it moves out of us to see a world changed. God, thank you. Even in the midst of falling short, you delight in forgiving with mercy and grace. May we live in that same way with one another. For the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.